Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm your host Jivraj and on this podcast I have some amazing conversations with founders, investors and thought leaders from the Indian Valley trying to derive practical insights to building a startup in India. In this episode I speak with Ajay Gore, operating partner of technology at Sequoia Capital India. This episode is called It's all about people. Given the role of people in building a legendary organization and Ajay's distinctively insightful thoughts on investing in people and prioritizing them. Ajay is an expert when it comes to all things related to technology. But it's phenomenal to hear his candid insights on building teams and people. Professionally, Ajay has had multiple great experiences having worn diverse hats throughout his career. He has gone from being an operator, scaling the organization and tech bedrock early during his time at ThoughtWorks. He has also started up two companies by himself, post which he spent a defining time frame at Gojek as the group CTO for more than four and a half years. During this time at Gojek, he built multiple great products, saw massive scale and more importantly invested in people, laying down great frameworks and processes, leading the tech division of one of the largest startups in the world. Ajay led by example at Gojek and post that joined Sequoia a couple months ago as an operating partner in the domain of technology. Sequoia Capital India, as most would know, is one of the leading venture capital firms of the country with investments in legendary startups such as Baiju's, Razorpay, Cash24, Pine Labs, Zilingo, Unacademy, to name a few. Through this wonderful conversation, we touch upon a variety of different domains including why people matter, what to look for in people, building great teams, vulnerability as a part of culture and much more. Let's dive in to the 30th episode of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. It's all about people with Sequoia's Ajay Gore. Without further ado, I would like to welcome Mr. Ajay Gore on the show. Thank you so, so much, Ajay, for joining me. It's such an honor for me to be able to host you. Thank you. Thanks a lot for actually inviting me. Um, I always want to uh, come and talk and figure out what it is. So it's good. It's a good self-discovery journey for me as well. <laughs> so, so thanks a lot for inviting me. It's, it's great to be here. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that because I've heard so much and read so much about you that I'm very fascinated with what you've seen throughout your career span. And it'd be a great treat for everybody to understand and learn from your experiences, right? But before we dwell into your experiences, your journey with Gojek and the other things that you've done throughout, I want to ask you head on as to when you are looking at an organization and from your experiences, how much of the tech bedrock and what are you analyzing for when you're essentially looking at it from a company perspective? And what according to you are some of the fundamentals that founders need to consider before setting up their tech bedrock for the entirety and for the vision of the company? Look, um, technology is a tool, right? It's like at the end of the day, it's like mostly like um, it, it means to get something done. Hmm. Um, if, if, and today's, 
today's startup world or today's any any company building world if you look at the technology technology changes something very phenomenal um if if it is applied appropriately so i'll i'll give you something as the one that the two two parts of it one part is of course people i think that is 90% part of it but the other part of it is maybe in my view is 10% is which is like how do you use that tool right how do you bring the tool up uh, and sometimes that makes a phenomenal difference the way you implement the tool for example let me put this example to you um i don't know how many of us remember now but uh, around 2005 2006 um ircctc became started becoming a mainstream in india right and maybe maybe later maybe at 2006 2007 i think so and um, that point of time it was so surprising that you can actually book the ticket online and it will come to you second day or third day it was just physical ticket which is sent to you um and that was a game changer because those time uh, we have to get up morning like 4 o'clock or 3 o'clock or even 12 o'clock at midnight and go to a railway station and stand in the queues to get a ticket i don't know how many of us remember that i'm 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 pretty dated that way. Uh, and for me it was like amazing experience and that was the first way of looking at the way you use technology a simple interface to to booking the ticket made a phenomenal changes in people's life and today we have e tickets right they could have done e tickets that point of time but it is a gradual change but then um, other things kind of leap forwarded very clearly like uh, airlines uh, just went to e ticket directly they did not do physical ticket sending you right and and that kind of also changed the way you look at it so what happens is a lot of time you look at two things one the product friction itself and second the marketplace it addresses if you look at these two things and bring them together with somebody brings them together some people bring them together that point of time actually those people become more important because they got that vision and that strategy implemented right so whenever we look at whenever i look at these things i kind of look at that from that lens saying who are the people who are driving this and then what kind of thought process they have um and once you have that sorted out then what kind of technologies they choose because eventually they will they will end up choosing the best tech while they will have some they will have some what you say like monkey patching in the beginning or some shortcuts in the beginning to be taken but like every website every product which starts with a very scrappy way um because they want to get things done rather than they want like we have because they want to do uh things right instead of doing right things right like they just want to get it done uh, mm. and then idealism has no place and like later on you start bringing the technology and then what kind of tools and then you should do right software this way and then you start processes starts coming and then we start doing things but my view is that i i look at people way more um than what what tech is being used and i'm very optimistic around that uh, i always over index on over index on like people and their thought process rather than the technology they choose like you you shouldn't like you shouldn't uh, judge somebody by what kind of clothes they are wearing or what kind of car they are driving <laughs> because given the right kind of clothes and right kind of car i don't know i know it's very weird analogy they'll still shine through so yeah, yeah.
that's how that's what my answer is <laughs> no no that that's completely clear and i love the emphasis on people right i'd love to talk more about it as we further but to get a bit more context to your journey right how things have progressed because you've had such great depths of experiences in multiple organizations and you've moved from being an operator to a founder to an operator and now you're on the other side of the table ideally right so uh, instead of a generic introduction which i'm sure which can go ahead with i'd love if you could perhaps mingle in your framework to making decisions right given that you've donned so many hats how do you move from one aspect to the other and what are you ideally considering when you let's say commit to 5 years of your life to a particular thing uh, it be very interesting to understand um i think i love to be uncomfortable in my job i think so uh, and also i think that uh, i love to be uh, Lord, you've proven that I'm dumbest person in the room, and um, that that has always happened. And I I kind of look for that. It's like you have this. It's called self-inflicted uh, like uh, cognitive pain um, or thinking pain, which you put yourself <laughs> together, right? Um, like startups are self-inflicted pain. I'll tell you that. Right. Like passion is self-inflicted pain, if you ask me that way, right? So so. Uh, like why would people like why why do people go do things if you ask them like if you ask people who are really uh, in our sense accomplished they are still working right like i won't take names but like words it's just people words greatest innovators they keep working right why do they do that i think that 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 passion or that some thought process some framework drives them i think my my only strategy is that put yourself into uncomfortable situation so if you look at my journey right uh, i went to first company thoughtworks for and worked there for 10 years but for those 10 years every one or two years i did something very radically different um, which i kind of uh, i i kind of uh, uh, enjoyed that today and uh, then from there i went to a startup that was very uncomfortable because i never ran a business then became founder that was super uncomfortable because you get people challenges i never managed people i never worked with people that closely so the thing is becoming a founder from a job is a very different thing because in job uh, when you work for a big organization or even semi big or medium sized organization a lot of things are set up for you you don't have to um you don't have to worry about like uh, how would you pay salary that is the smallest part, part, part. there's like only part which you shouldn't which you don't worry about but there are a lot of things which you have to don't have to worry about there's your day to day life like who is a caterer who is a, who, who brings food who brings client all this stuff uh, you don't so that was a great journey it was very uncomfortable journey but um, it made me it made me focus on a lot of things like uh, i have to go sell myself so i would go and talk in every possible conferences every possible meet up to like let's go and meet people and hire people right mm-hmm. um and try to meet as many people as you can because uh, you have to get business as well um so the, those are the things um you suddenly become very extrovert you suddenly start sending cold emails which i regret i should have not done that i did like for first month and then no let's not do that it's not something very nice because if somebody does that to me i won't like it so still till date actually if somebody sends me a cold email um i kind of uh, test the patience of the person and it like he goes on like three or four times and then suddenly he turns host sometimes they turn hostile you know I'm like oh i think this is the last time i'm telling you this amazing thing I'm like okay fine i'll i will not talk to you but if somebody like can you please talk to me I'm like okay of course i'll talk to you because i understand from where they are coming from right because i've been through that so that was my founder journey uh when we went to gojek 
I I actually Gojek was very unexpected stuff um, because when we when we got acquired, none of us had any um, thought process that I will become a CTO because we were like they have CTO, and he was a very nice person. He is very nice person. I'm still friends with him. And uh, we were like, okay, we are India center. Uh, we will deliver software. They need some more people. Uh, we will get to say that we built this thing, this amazing stuff. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, we can still say we built, built something. Right? We built a ride hailing in Indonesia. That was the thought process. And then you suddenly become a CTO after like six. And then all hell breaks loose, right? Because now... Uh, you are not only CTO for India, but you are their CTO. That means you have to be spending so much time with with Indonesians. Um, they are they are my people now. And suddenly I have to learn the language. Suddenly I have to call it uh, Jakarta home because I had to, uh, not because uh, I had to, but because they they are my people and I have to be there with them when they can uh, be available. And those are like Saturdays and Sundays late evenings. You can't be bound by flights to come back, right? You are bound by people. And team building and understanding, so I started learning their language. Um, could speak to drivers. I uh, started looking at a bunch of things. Like I would, I would go to like calls. So once in a while, I went to go to call center, hear the recordings and what drivers are saying. Um, I would talk to drivers a lot. Um, and as soon as they know that I'm working tech, they'll either either it will go like 50%, like either go like really absolutely brilliant, like you are awesome, you help us, or it will go absolutely shit, like what the hell is going on in this life? And you like you are you guys still don't understand how much mess our life is, and you guys like tech is not helping us, that kind of stuff. That kind of made me very uncomfortable, but it also gave me uh, that kind of gives you that uh, fight to fix it, right? That zeal to fix it. And then somebody interviewed me that point of time, and they said, "Ajay, how are you feeling?" And I said, "Like 40 is like new 25, uh, <laughs> because it was like, yeah, I was just turning 40, and like I, I said, 40 is new 25, because it was that thing came back. Um, then five years of Gojek." I was like planning to take a break. My health was not very great for the last one and a half years. We are hiring a lot of people, executives who, who can take care of good org, which we did. Um, and Gojek is on a very good trajectory to move on. Uh, but so, so when, when, uh, when uh, Shalendra talked to me, uh, I was super, super uncomfortable. He's such a nice person, right? He's coming and talking to me at a, my um, uh, like my uncomfortable levels, my level of uncomfort, he's trying to understand. And I'm telling him like, look, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and I think it was, again, I over-indexed some people. I met a bunch of people from Sequoia. They all are very nice people. A um, lot of time, uh, you, you have to meet few people multiple times. Uh, and the more and more you meet, the more and more you know them better. And the more and more you know the better, you know, oh, it's much, much better. But... This again, I feel every day, I feel that I'm the dumbest among all those smart people and uh, I can't uh, do much. So again, this is my next learning journey. So for for next five to 10 years or 15 years, maybe 20 years, I don't know how long, but this is my learning journey. So I'm again on a next learning journey and where do I go from here? So that's what, that's what if you define me as a person, I think I, I like this self-inflicted cognitive pain of being uncomfortable and um, being uh, dumbest around the room. And that actually makes me, hopefully, that actually makes me who I am today. Uh, yeah. 
Wow, wow. That's again such a different and offbeat perspective, but goes to show that maybe like like making yourself uncomfortable puts you in those shoes to be able to learn so quickly and is responsible for so much of what you've learned. And I certainly can feel that way right now and learn from you because uh, that happens to apply to me in this room particularly. But uh, putting that aside. No, I, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. The more we learn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the more we learn, the more we know about things. Uh, we also come to know that how much we don't know. Sure. And realizing that how much we don't know puts puts us a super un- uncomfortable place. And also, you know what? We can't learn everything in life. Okay. But uh, but understanding that we don't know much is more than important that understanding how much we know. It's always very much important to put things in perspective. Wow. Wow. The realization of not knowing enough and wanting to is basically a great, great cue there. Wonderful to hear that, Ajay, and loving every bit of what you are saying. Mm -hmm. Moving from there, you know, and diving right into, let's say, people, right? And I've heard so much of you make so much sense out of how you worked with organizations, built teams. You've spoken about, you know, invest in people. In your introduction in this episode as well, you mentioned about how people are the ones who make it, right? Uh, So perhaps if you can, you know, talk to us about building teams, right? Because that I think is something thing that again everybody out there on tweets and experts will continuously say that you know hiring is perhaps the most difficult task for any founder right so in your yep. experience uh, can you perhaps talk about how to go about hiring building the right teams and we can take it on from there so uh, the thing is uh, in early stage right mm-hmm. early stage is super difficult to hire anybody um, look I was very lucky um, that I had good friends and my good founding partners uh, who were uh, who were like with me, like a few friends knew me for like the last eight, 10 years. Uh, so we had some network, right? So I think uh, it's a, that there is saying uh, what you, what you reap is what you sow, or what you sow, what you reap, something like that, right? So uh, first, first way of hiring, um, we are, uh, we are no one. Let me put it this way. Uh, I always tell people, so when people actually, somebody asks me saying, hey, Ajay, going from a group CTO of Gojek, a $10 million company to Sequoia as operating partner, doesn't it make a very perspective change for you? Or doesn't it like uh, you you at helm of something and now you are like being part of something? So I said like, look, I was always being a part of something. I was never being helm of anything. Because uh, uh, if you, I, I see as, I see positions as very ephemeral wake up tomorrow morning and the position may not be there mm-hmm. but uh, you will be there as a person right uh, and and it proves uh, and I have I, I did this uh, very amazing stuff uh, two years back now it's two years because it's like 2021 now mm-hmm. so 2019 I went to meet one of my childhood friends because I did not take a lot of leave from Gojek we were like very busy and that was the first year I was like okay let's go and out uh, meet people so December I took off um, I went and I chose to go and meet a bunch of my friends and when you talk to them right they don't know who what Gojek is right um, even if you if you go and uh, talk to somebody on the streets and say Banaras they don't know what Gojek is so for them you are no one correct and that is true for many many everybody in the world everyone right so sometimes we get blind, we get this blindness part. We, we, we surround ourselves with this bubble, uh, which says we are somebody, actually we are no one. The first is like, we are no one. And once you start from we are no one, then how do we, how do people know that we are someone? And that then that identity is not your identity because you are doing a startup. The identity is your startup's identity. 
So what is your startup, startup X, startup Y, whatever it is? How would people know about it? The only way to people know about it is if you communicate. So how do you communicate? So then there is a communication when you, whenever you communicate, like within WhatsApp group, suppose uh, you are, you got blessed by a, by a sibling or by a boy or a girl or son or daughter, or some event is happening in your life. How do you broadcast? What do you do? So first is you go to your close relatives and tell them this is what is happening. Like first you go to family, then you go to close relatives, then you go to extended relatives and then some cha cha somebody will hear from outside like fourth place and say, hey, I heard this, congratulations. So that actually startup founding, startup is like that. So you go and exhaust your referral network first, which is your, first you exhaust your friends network and see how many of them buy your idea. Once they buy your idea and think that you're doing something good, then you exhaust their network, which is referral network. And then you start, after that you start telling people and then whenever somebody wants to tell or talk about you, they need a consistent same document. That's where they can talk about your start. And then you blog about it, put a simple readme for your, your startup site saying, hey, they, this is what our side about us. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, our thought process. This is what our thought process. And that's what we did in early days. If you look at 2016, 2017, I actually wrote two blog posts and they kind of became pretty, uh, what you say, pretty <laughs> good blog post. Uh, one was that how to shine at Gojek and what it takes to be at Gojek, kind of those two, two Gojek Engineering 101 and what it takes to shine at Gojek. Those are two blog posts I wrote, wrote in January 2017. And those are the blog posts we wrote because we wanted people to understand what should they expect when they come to Gojek and what kind of environment we have. So I think third thing is that it's very basic stuff. And that will get you, I think, hopefully that will get you five to 10 people. If that doesn't get you five to 10 people, then what you do is you go and like kind of stand in like, uh, if you are in city, what we'll do to let people know that there's some langar going on, go and stand on the road and tell there is langar going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or there's some something going on. Um, you do the same thing on internet. You go and start speaking at places. You put a YouTube channel, you put something out there, you tweet and you relentlessly keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And then more and more people listen to you. So because we, ha- we are, we are stra- restrained with budgets in the beginning. Right. People don't know about us. Um, coming and joining us is a leap of faith. Uh, so we have to be very, very open, very, very transparent. We should, we should exactly be what we are. Tell them we can't afford you because you are expensive, but we will be able to do something for you later on if we go successful. So there's a bet on us. And uh, I'm betting this with my life. So you might want to bet with like 50% of your career risk, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. So the point is, it's more around communication and bringing out what you are, your DNA, and being very prescriptive about it. Like what you like, what you don't like. Uh, do you like extroverts? Do you like introverts? What kind of people you like? What like it is? It is more around how somebody would connect with you. There are so many thousand types of people out there, and um, actually, India is such a big place, or even world is such a big place. But India is such a big place. You need only five or ten people to come and start your startup. There are millions out there. Finding five out of millions is not that difficult. I, I, I believe that, I personally believe that. And second thing, uh, which is very important, which people kind of don't understand, you need to be generous, see, uh, in, in terms of wealth creation. If you're doing a startup, there is some wealth creation you are doing, right? Yeah. So you need to be generous in terms of people who took the first leap of faith on you, you have to be generous to them as well. Because if everything was good, they shouldn't be as equally paid as you are paid, but they should be at least paid very well or substantially like 5X or 10X of what they would have made generally mm-hmm. staying in the job. And if that is story goes out, then it's amazing. Like we hear so many beautiful stories out of like Flipkarts and Zomatos and like so many 
people did this uh, buyback of options and all this stuff. It's like just amazing, right? And and that is something truly amazing. So those are two aspects. One is go talk about yourself, what you do, and second is uh, go tell people what you will do for them. And that is and and make sure that you have you have this disproportionate wealth creation for people who actually take a leap of faith for you first. 10 25 or 50 hires however you want to choose them because they those are the people who came because of you not because of the brand after you are successful people just come because of the <laughs> brand right yeah got it got it so you know being able to communicate how you can add value and you know putting yourself out there and as you said you know creating wealth for everybody who puts that leap of faith in you is very very important great pointers there ajay and now that we've understood you know how to get teams or you know build teams initially let's move on to how to maintain and let's say manage teams right which is a very important aspect and you've spoken uh, at length about culture right but one of the stark things that you mentioned about culture was you know vulnerability right you mentioned a quote which said that the manifestation of vulnerability is actually leading to collaboration right which was an amazing thought and you spoken about transparency and you spoken about a lot of different things in principles to culture right so uh, i'd love to understand if you can perhaps dive deeper into uh, how it is very important to internalize the culture and not replicate it and how is it important to actually go from absorbing culture to enabling it right because since you didn't start with let's say gojek to begin with you came in as an outsider but you internalized it fast enough to enable it from going to internalize it right so if you can talk about some of these aspects it'd be wonderful to hear your thoughts and maybe take cues from it as to how we can build teams and manage them effectively to be able to lead a great organization so actually it's pretty simple uh, in a lot of lot of sense right first again i don't know why why like why i come back to this point but again like it depends on who you bring in suppose uh, you get let me take a very weird analogy over here suppose you get like a 100 ml of say some juice concentrate every day and that only can make only 10 glass of juice and if you want to make 20 glass of juice what you need to do is you will get 200 ml of content or concentrate or you will put 20 glass worth of it but juice will be like a little bit yeah. not that quality mm-hmm. the taste will go fade away a little bit right culture is like that there is a there is a there is a core like you can't like you can't first you can't you have to have right kind of people second you can't have too many people you cannot you can't go from like 10 to 1000 in a year uh, if you are gone there then you have you can but then you have to prescribe everything how companies run you have to communicate you have to put all the first principles in document way uh, and everything has to be documented see if you have to scale you have to be super disciplined um and if you have to super disciplined that means like everybody must be writing everything prescriptively in the system that how you are doing some things that means you will actually be able to scale but a lot of innovation will not happen so let's not go there A lot of innovation not happen because everybody is bound by certain rules, right? If you have to do check-in of the code, this is how you design product. This is how we write a story. This is how we check in the code. Everything is prescribed so that we are no, we have no mistakes. It's like you are not creating a software; you are creating kind of hardware-like software, which mm-hmm. has no. It's all fixed. It's done, right? So let's not go there. So let's talk about. So first thing is like culture is built by some enablers and some builders. right and i i want to bring this thought process around the software building itself so 10 years back when we were building software we had to write everything on our own everything we, we were writing our own and we were builders today software engineers are enablers 
what it means by that today they don't write almost everything uh, they use a lot of saas tools like we, we don't set up smtp servers we don't set up sms servers we don't do soap xml integration with telcos uh, we don't do any notification we use pubsub and all this stuff so we have so many things rds aws gcp so many things available if you really want to get something out you can literally do that in like 4 hours you just need your credit card and everything like you can have your first prototype out in 4 hours which actually accepts very small one screen you can do that so given that we are now assemblers and enablers that means our communication around that the way it is possible because there is they have prescribed some standards same way uh, you need to figure out what your culture is who are the assemblers and who are the first thing is that not everybody is enabler not as everybody is assembler so you need to differentiate that once you differentiate that then only thing which comes out is uh, transparency once you have transparency so there are two ways to look at transparency is is transparency by virtue and transparency by requirement in transparency by virtue what happens is everybody trust everybody else's intent and they are transparent by default by virtue they are transparent then this uh, the, there are some organizations where you actually have transparency by default or transparency by like force and what is that is because people don't trust each other they copy 1500 people into emails and they write everything they like i have told everything everybody not my fault kind of so we should go towards transparency virtue first thing we should try to enable that like not not cya emails coming out for a lot of time right uh, because and then then once you have that then there will be always some snubbing will happen uh, around like somebody will back channel kill that so then we have to start and it is up to again it is up to organization this is how i did it uh, if people don't want to do it it's okay but um, what what happens is the culture is something which which somebody who is at a helm of driving the system drives right if you if you and and please understand running a, a epd engineering product and design org i all, i don't call it software technology org i call it engineering product design org because um, that's like i call it product engineering i i use a holistic term because i i believe that startups like building a building big building and the plumber and um, the electrician and people who put marble put everybody is part of the team same way i look at the software engineering team as well product engineering teams so given that uh, i think uh, where where we where we over index on then that point of time is understanding what people really need and and they need to understand that we all are complementing each other nobody is above each other that is very important so we, we like i i don't like employee of the month awards because i to personally believe that kind of a, it's just fundamentally wrong right mm-hmm. second since we are complementing each other that means we don't have some skills which others have and that's where the exploration of vulnerability comes in so people should be openly asking for help saying mm-hmm. hey um i am not very good at writing email can you please come and help writing and i have done that many times i have asked so many people to collaborate with me on sending communication out all the communication which i sent out uh, and i also thank those people so a lot of time one of the mistakes people do they'll get the help of their people who are working with them i won't don't want to use words subordinates but people who work with them they get their help and then send out email as themselves not not great thing to do hmm. somebody else work person reporting and creating the whole report and you're sending out from your email id not a very good not a very good thing like i always so i always encourage people who done the job to send the email but if i have to put a communication i will actually get people to help me with that because not because i can't do it but because i want to cover all the aspects of the communication like hey am i missing something can you please review it before i send out right and getting like five five and overviews are good so that's where that's where exposing a vulnerability is is really really important uh, we people should know 
that my my leader or my boss or my whatever superior or whatever whatever manager whatever you want to call it also is a human <laughs> and he can be at he can be at error right he can err as well and that kind of creates a very good collaboration and very good uh, a strong team which backs you up see i'll tell you lot of time in in startup actually the team should back you up you are there for team is is by default but team backing you up is what you should aspire to be and if team backs you up then then you have more confidence on executing things then they will also have more confidence on telling you things saying ajay you are absolutely wrong you are doing this this is absolutely bullshit it's not going to fly and it happened with me many many times and that's what that's what i cherish so so that kind of turns you around completely as a person and says okay now i am working for them instead of they working for me so then the whole thing turns around saying i work for them and they work with me and that's where i kind of enjoyed teams and culture and all the stuff wow wow and again so you talk about so many different concepts which are so important to inculcate in terms of collaboration giving due credit walking the talk and so many other things that have been fabulous to hear but you know stemming from there you've often mentioned also that you have to optimize for the process not as much for the results right and that goes back to the long term thinking aspect as well right but often times we we you know although like it's a good thing to say it's very difficult to practice in my own just opinion because i think in practicality that kind of fades away right it's a principle that most people fantasize but i don't think it's a practice that often so i'd love your opinion on how you think about processes and making sure that you know you lay the right pathway as opposed to optimizing for the result and you know getting to an end result by hook or crook or you know beg borrow steal as they call it so i would love your opinion on that and how we can you know manage that and tackle that in organizations so the thing is when you actually go on the path of beg borrow steal uh, then first thing which go- goes out of window is ethics because now uh, like uh, there is a same similar kind of saying in sanskrit which says yen kin prakaran that means uh, by by hook or crook get things done like mm-hmm. get it done right once you have this uh, get it done attitude then it's going to be absolutely like mess because you're going to go and like press wrong buttons on multiple people if you can't get it done you will try to pressurize them push them and once you start pushing people push people actually people actually respond in a very weird way and and sometimes they just don't respond at all and that point of time you are like heading into a disaster because at one point of time somebody will actually plan 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 and pull the plug last minute out then you can't do anything about it so mm-hmm. i don't believe in that so in software engineering or product management there are two things which we can uh, look at one is the scope and second is the time and people who want to optimize optimize for time and don't understand that time you can cannot optimize for <laughs> so right. so so like you can optimize for time in in a sense of cutting the scope but you can't say i'll get this much done in this time you cannot nobody can say that so now what happens over the period of time is we need to start understanding that if you are looking towards a towards a true north star matrix uh, for anything and that metric is there then our job is to just move towards that metric in a much comfortable way so you optimize for that path uh, optimize how you walk on that path and that's why i say optimize for that process correct because that should that journey should be comfortable as long as you are moving towards that and as long as everybody understands the journey see that a lot of time what happens right if we don't do frequent check ins i come and talk to you saying hey uh, we have to build the software and i now after a month 
I have the expectation it must be 50% done. And you come and show me it's only 25% done. But if I have not did a frequent check-in with you in last four weeks, then I will like have no idea what all things have you gone through. Like maybe you had a 10 production downtimes. Maybe you've fallen sick. Maybe your teammates fallen sick. Maybe many other things have, like maybe you were one of the vendors, one of the things you wanted to, you were dependent on that did not get fixed, right? So there are a lot of things. So what we should do a lot of times in early days, especially check in very frequently and trust our leaders, right? Once you have that, uh, and then of course, put a process. The process is always a guideline and not the principles, not the rules of land, not the law of land. It's like, it's not, it's not like that. We only do this way. They, they, like, I shouldn't say this, but like a lot of our religious rituals have become like a law of the land. And sometimes you try to dig behind why do we do certain rituals the way we do it? Then you know in ancient days, this is what used to happen, which context is no more applied now. But those are the rituals, right? So we need to keep looking at those rituals and keep questioning them with the context and see if the context is any more valid or not. If they're not valid, then don't do it. A lot of times, like for example, we had a, every time you had to do something, update a database or something like that, we had to restart slave and then master and do this for some various weird reasons. Over the period of time, we achieved proper HA. Then we don't have to do that. People kept doing it. If people keep doing that, same thing. It will just cost latency. It's just manual work, which you shouldn't do, be doing. So you should question those kind of things. Why we are doing certain things. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, processes are, are, are processes actually help you understand a legacy thought process. Because second generation of software engineers who come to your organization, they, they lose a lot of context. When they come in, they say, all this thing you are doing, it's all bullshit. It's not, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, like for example, one of the things which we, we, we used Kafka. And when we used Kafka, Kafka didn't have con- streaming. So we wrote our own streaming thing. Then later on, Confluent did the Kafka streaming. And somebody came and said, why do you do your own streaming? Kafka supports it. And I'm like, yes, it does. But now we have our own streaming. So we are stuck over here. So we need to have migration path. So they are like, no, but the first place you should have not done it completely stupid and then instead of getting angry i kind of sat down with the person and said look what we did we built this in year 2017 2016 late 2016 year 2017 point of this feature was not available so we had to build it but i'm not saying we will not replace it. i'm just saying that we'll replace it it takes time so that context is super important in terms of principles and guidelines and process so you can optimize uh, optimizing for process and optimizing for true north metric is something will keep you moving towards that goal um, I don't think so. We will always, we will ever have that process where we commit something and we get it done. Uh, mm-hmm. There will be always like half an hour, one hour, one day, or one week, or one month delay. Or sometimes we do it, and some like once in once in maybe hundred times, you will be able to do something much better, which is okay. But uh, I I totally believe that. That's why I say that optimize for process and optimize for uh, scope and metrics rather than time. Got it. Got it. And it's great that you've emphasized so much of it because I truly believe that some important things, no matter how many times you repeat it, you have to do it until you internalize it. And I feel that is one of the statements that would be very helpful to understand for, you know, youngsters who are building out because no matter where you are, I think optimizing for process might delay the results, but it always optimizes for the result because it will always get you there. And it's a longer term goal that will always be relevant. I also think is a lot of one of the pitfalls, lot of lot of people which I met and say they kind of treat product engineering teams as a feature factories. Mm-hmm. And once you start treating them as a feature factories, then uh, they will whatever you ask them to do, they will do with only short term view. They will not do with a strategic mm-hmm. view. That means you are every time you are creating a feature in a very shortcut way, uh, you are also creating a tech debt somewhere, which you will have to pay. 
at some point of time and sometimes you pay very like you have to pay so much uh, that you wish that you did not do that yeah yeah completely understandable and that's why you know the emphasis of it uh thanks for that ajay and you know moving to like i have so many thoughts in my head but due to the paucity of time let's move on to scale right so i've often heard you like so you've gone from like gojek like no matter how much we talk about it the scale that you've dealt with at gojek is far from comparison from any other organizations and very few have seen that right and you've spoken about building things and shipping them before time i remember the go kart story that you'd mentioned in one of the interviews but uh, let's let's now focus a bit upon you know your lessons from scale in a very abstract manner and i know this is going off beat but if you had to perhaps give cues out for early stage founders or early stage product teams how would you ask them to let's say prepare for scale and be ready to focus on a couple of things that from your experience are uh, quintessential and if not focused upon will break the organization um so we we could not prepare ourselves for scale we were like kind of uh, fighting in battle we were like 300 people mm-hmm. at some point of time we, we became that famous 300 number and people kind of internally we kind of became people made fun like you know the you are the 300 you are fighting against competition you know what happened in movie 300 they all died <laughs> and now like yes i know <laughs> and and uh, one thing the over the period of time what we learned Uh, in terms of preparing for the scale, actually not one thing. Uh, if let me put it this way, so there are the three things which we learned. Let me put it this way, very unstructured. The first thing we learned that putting a checklist to everything in 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 life makes a life much much simpler. Like everything, whether you're deploying, whether you're creating something, whether you're automating something, put a checklist saying these are the five things. Did you do that? Uh, it's like a step by step. It's not. these are called checklist are uh, not called implementation list uh, because uh, there is a very slight difference in checklist and implementation list like a steve jobs said right you hire the people and then you don't tell them how to do it let them figure it out right but once they do it then you go and ask them does it do all these five things or six things or not right that's you just very find what they have done whatever okay. way they have done you don't verify so we created checklist for deployment we created checklist for okay microservices and all second thing what we did we templatized everything Mm-hmm. um that is good for a scale like uh, how how our server should look like how our microservices should like like how our databases should look like how our log should look like everything was templated that means uh, if you want to introduce something new you introduce a new template so and we uh, and then third thing we started doing was we started doing crazy uh, what you say rcas uh, root cause analysis for every failure and we we went to that much uh, like crazy less that you must file the rca within 4 hours of incident occurring immediately you know incident occurs at like 2 pm 4 pm doesn't matter at uh, 2 am in the night doesn't matter the rca should be there and one of the things which we did early days was we kind of sat with our team day in and day out like every call uh, where we had downtime me and i expected everyone of senior leadership to be on that call if there is a downtime because whatever pain our people are going through uh we should understand what the pain is and the pain is somewhere because of some decisions we made as well right like like if we if we ignored their mistake that is a decision i made to ignore the mistake and that's why I'm, uh, i i should i should look at that so people leaders are always responsible for whatever happens because somewhere they either nodded yes or did not nod yes correct if they did not nod yes that means they missed they they overlooked so so those are three things we did that kind of helped us uh, prepare for more scale like how did it help if you had to deploy 15 times a day you could do that uh, if you had to add like 
100 more servers we could do that if we had to increase our load we could do that so because of those three things checklist templatization and automation uh, we went crazy levels of doing things and then after looking at the rcas was amazing because now we know what mistakes we have done so we don't repeat those mistakes so suppose uh, we had a very famous mistake called integer overflow where we all almost every other every 3 months some microservice will run out of the integers on our databases and then we went on the big journey of converting all the integers to uid now people will ask us why did you allow integers those integers were done when our scale was not that much and that was the right decision at that point of time whoever done it, whoever done it not their mistake so so i also say that whatever is decision is done past is done is the right decision because whoever did it you don't know what they were going through you don't understand like let's not let's not repent on whatever has happened and there are a lot of mistakes i have done which they must be dealing right <laughs> so hopefully they follow this principle and don't blame me for this but but that is one thing uh, second thing is uh, let's on software engineering side on product management side just being uh, descriptive articulate and disciplined helped us over there a lot uh, we started becoming and more and more descriptive and like more and more so we started at like somewhere late 2019 we stopped using whatsapp for internal communication we went on slack completely no more whatsapp group no communication on whatsapp it was a big thing for everybody because a lot of people used to use whatsapp and which is fine and a lot of companies run on that and it's perfectly fine the only thing was that people the people who work on desktops have very different way of working than the people who work on mobile phone or people don't who are out there feel and who use laptop like once in a while or like 3 hours a day because of busy meetings right so they during the meeting they keep sending whatsapp which is perfectly fine but it interrupts people's day so we try to minimize the communication so more scale more more asynchronous com- communication and third thing what we did around product management all this we try to bring everybody to the same platform like uh, no more excel sheets try not to have excel sheets try to put everything in your product management tool try to drive everything out of that basically it was it was discipline all over the place man nothing else and if you have that then things just become much much easier got it got it so discipline checklists and rcas again loving the entire framework that you've described because these are things that provide structure which is very important because i'm sure at scale there's so much madness that is going on that you need the method to the madness which you've just described for us so glad to have heard that from there you know let's move on to a couple of the last questions that i have about you per se right so given that you've had so much experience uh, across engineering teams across product man management teams and i'm sure you've been asked this question a lot of times and now that you're working uh, at a venture capital firm as, as an operating partner what is it that you're looking for in the people who are building out tech who are you know let's say building out product teams right because that becomes an important aspect and if not prepare for it what are some of the common patterns like i'm sure like patterns are asynchronous in nature as well but what are some of the things that you've genuinely observed over time that usually lead to a greater probability of success while working in product teams or as product or engineering leaders i think first thing is like curiosity curiosity is a one thing curiosity will kill the cat actually i curiosity <laughs> actually enables people <laughs> a lot of it because being curious is good uh, mm. i think be, uh, being curious curiosity is one um second is empathy like like those two are like really on top of my list like how you understand people and how how where you want to go and then third thing comes around passion and energy right uh, because uh, if you have curiosity that means you do have passion and energy because if you don't have that then 
curiosity just having curiosity is not going to fuel the curiosity right and then i ask a lot of people well, like what, what what drives you what are you geeky about and these are the question if we we ask ourselves right like what drives me i told you like being uncomfortable drives me uh, that also means that i i i always a lot of times i feel that i'm like i have a lot of uh, sometimes i have a lot of depressing days in like row <laughs> because of that Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 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 the thing is uh, that is me but uh, i think uh, curiosity empathy passion energy those are the two three things which actually bring i don't have principles but what i really like about people like i don't have any principles or guideline to uh, judge people or understand because we shouldn't judge people but how do you how do you know how do you know that somebody is going to do something or somebody is really good ask them what drives them uh, what are what are their first principles are like how do they how do they evaluate i always ask this question that how do you evaluate people what kind of books do you read what kind of blogs do you read what makes you who you are uh, what kind of things you like like i was like uh, talking to somebody uh, and i was like what are you, so like what are you thankful for for example mm-hmm. and people are thankful for different things in different different uh, time of life right being thankful for things is super important because that actually constantly reminds you that you're in good place and we should always ask this question to ourselves whenever we are like kind of sad we should ask this question to ourselves what are we thankful for and then suddenly you realize that, oh my god there are so many things around me that i'm thankful for mm-hmm. like i have an amazing family i i live in an amazing house i have good comfort i can wear good clothes and i have like three times of good food and i do not have like for me i do not have to worry for my meals for next one or two or three years that is a good thing that's we should be thankful why why do i have become sad right so i ask these kind of question this kind of question brings amazing stuff like uh, i ask this questions to somebody uh what are you thankful for and he said like the darshani around my house uh, because i work on a startup the darshani around my house i am really thankful for that because i can go have a coffee and idli vada in the morning and like this is amazing right yeah. and and, and those, those are the things people love like uh, i have a friend who actually keeps posting a lot of food food things on twitter and he's talks at prices and i'm like yaar tum like you go and send these photographs and i like literally i can't have any of that right now it's like so sad so so the thing is those are the two three things uh, what are your first principles how curious what are you curious about what are you geeky about and empathy like what what how like and when they say oh i am very empathetic and ever give me example of being empathetic <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so those are things and and what makes a good person and then what makes a good energetic person and then what makes a good passionate energetic person that journey you keep adding things on that and then what makes a good passion problem solver energetic person you can say that as well right and and once you have once you complete that sentence then you know that there is you are you are with someone who is like much better than you and he's going to get things done right right wow this is again incredible to hear because in no part of your answer did you mention any skill and it is a pure combination of getting to know the person better because when you mention things like you know what their belief system is principles curiosity passion it's great to understand that you know you are so centric to who the person is and diving deeper into what they bring on the table as people because i'm sure like the engineering skills the product things and the work can be learned and you know can be guided through but those things are irreplaceable what people bring as themselves beyond commodities so wonderful to hear that so you know going from there and having heard your amazing answer on how you evaluate people i'd love to understand that given that somebody of your experience with so much gravity and so much knowledge what do you resort to to ensure that when you are limited by your own experiences you are still expanding and still learning right because it might be very easy from the onset to believe that you know you know 
know it all. But you mentioned in the interview as well that there is no point when you know it all, right? So what are some of the tools that you resort to? What are some of the mentorship techniques or who are the people that you surround yourself with so that you are at no point remaining stagnant and you yourself are growing and ensuring that your worldview keeps expanding? Because I think as young people, we fail to kind of realize the importance of surrounding ourselves with the right people and making sure that our worldview is expanding at each instant, our knowledge base is expanding. So would love to hear your opinion on this. Um, I, I'll say I'm, I'm, I'm a very shameless person in that sense. And the shame, shameless in terms of calling out people and saying, hey, dude, or hello, I got this problem. How do I solve it? Uh, let me let me give you an example of um, this very good example of my like implementing this thought process. So mm-hmm. when we were writing GoPay first time in 2016, I had no idea what how payments works. Only idea I had that I, I had once consulted like twice, I considered two banks in past. One was in Australia and one was in Canada. And, and, and I did not understand like a lot. I knew what payments looks like and all stuff. And I, uh, since I was a commerce graduate, so I understood accounting very well. But beyond that, I had no knowledge. Like, and I knew programming languages, but I did not know which programming language to choose, um, what to do. So I, I, I had a very good fortune to talk to some good people. Like I ended up talking to somebody from largest payment company in China. It was their chief architect. I just happened to. And then I just went on talking to a bunch of people from like largest payment companies in, in the world. And I went to them and saying, what should I do? Uh, this is what I have to build in the next six months. What languages, what tools, how do I proceed? What, what architecture should look like? And I would spend time in making those architecture diagrams and sending it to them. And that's what kind of helped us a lot, right? Um, there, were, there were some mistakes in which we, which we deal with, but uh, over the period of time that helped me. So my, one of the, my mantras is that if you go, go and send a mail to people and you tell them your intent very clearly in the first mail itself, instead of saying just hi, hello, just say, hey, I'm reaching out to you. I have almost nothing to offer you. Maybe I can, but here, here is a problem I'm dealing with um, and can you help me? And that surprisingly works a lot of time. Second thing what happens is I introduce, like if somebody else also comes to me and saying, hey, Ajay, I want to know about this. What should I? So I go and introduce them to a bunch of people as well. Uh, I have no no problem with that as well. Maybe somebody will say, Ajay is introducing useless people, which is fine. Uh, But sometimes people will kind of benefit from each other. So I think, again, exposing your vulnerabilities and talking to people frankly, saying, hey, I am in this midlife crisis. What should I do? I am in this problem, what should I do? I am this career problem, what should I do? Should I join this company or not? Should I do this or not? And those are the questions. A lot of times what happens is the more leadership position you get into, the more lonely you are. It is true. And I felt it. A lot of good leaders who actually don't feel that, but I always felt that I'm, the more lonely you are in making decisions. Now, when you are trying to solve the problems, calling somebody, that means clearly you don't know the answer of the problem. Else you would have not called somebody, right? So you make it very clear to them that, look, dude, I don't know this. Um, and I am reaching out to you to help me out. And a and lot of times it has helped me. That has been my personal thing. And it has kind of helped me. So being asking for help is really good thing. And then also being ready to help somebody as well. So it cannot be one-way street. It has to be two-way street. If somebody reaches out to you as well, uh, you should help them as much as you can. But I always carry out saying, I cannot give you advice. What I can tell you, what mistakes I did. And if this resonates with you, please take it and move away or move on. 
wow the simple approach to just being vulnerable and asking for help i mean like these are the simple things that we complicate ourselves and uh, it's amazing how you've you know streamlined it and mentioned so plainly that sometimes just asking works uh, and that's beautiful to uh, mention in the first place and uh, really really glad i think that's how i convinced you to be on the podcast as well because i just took the leap of faith and asked and you were very kind to extend your support so uh, for the last question you know this has been very very fruitful and i loved how we've gone through some very key aspects in a streamlined manner but for the last question owing to a much rather stereotypical ending but i'd love some of the parting thoughts and this these need not be let's say you know engineering related product related startup building related company building related right but i know for a fact that you have some really great insights because you mentioned that you know that uh, you want more time for yourself right you want to give back to society and you want to be able to you know give back which is a amazing thing right and i know that much of it would not be relatable for a 22 year old like myself but it'd be great to understand that given that you have all those years under your hat what are some of the pivotal things that you think are important for our generation to understand and if you could perhaps lay it down for us before you leave us that would be a spectacular way to end i think um uh... for me if you ask me so i'll ask this question to myself somebody asked me what what would you ask yourself if somebody tells you what advice would you give to yourself 22 years back <laughs> I, and you, i can't believe you are 22 i'm like i'm like i'm like double your age which is amazing to see um so uh, i think in lot of sense right if you want to go back or look at things i think we have fixed time in life so we are like 24 hours a day uh maybe if you live as 80 years uh, then you have like 4000 weekends on the field like if you start putting putting that perspective like how many weekends you are left with right or then once you start looking at it if you start first start using time as currency so every time you make a decision look at time as currency like where are you are investing your time because it's really your time um how much ever you get paid um, make sure that you 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 assume the same pay or double the pay you are spending on the weekend so we don't see this uh, for example if if you spend 8 hours watching binge watching a movie or something like that that means you kind of that cost is uh, twice the money you earn in a day at least twice or thrice so was it worth suppose like you say you you every good developer out there fresher out there even if you take like a i don't know how much we shouldn't take any salaries in consideration but what like lowest possible just say they get paid like 30000 rupees a month which is like really low they get paid more than that or maybe 50000 rupees a month or uh, 60000 rupees a month then there's 2000 rupees a day right and you did a binge watching on like saturday sunday and then you just put 22 days only then you have 3000 rupees a day so was it that movie worth 9000 rupees and that's how i look at it somehow you have to quantify that time so quantify the time i don't know how but quantify the time because that 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 is something which you are spending invisibly and you don't understand that in paris like credit card is worse than credit card because you don't even have to swipe second thing is uh, i i i believe that people should opt- again first is optimize for time uh, second is optimize for for your body i did not do that but optimize for your body uh, give at least 5% of a day to your body uh, so if if 24 hours are there in a, in a day then you should give at least 1.2 hours to your body that is like 5% of your time at least or maybe like 0.25% which sounds very slow like, but that is still that is still 40 45 minutes give it to your body give it like it needs a it needs a movement it needs meditation it needs exercise it needs run it needs something give the time to your body it's very important 
any habit can be done in 21 days. If you do something continuously for 21 days, it becomes a habit. So do that if you are not doing it. Third thing uh, is optimize for people. Optimize for people's success, optimize for their happiness, optimize for your happiness through them. If you optimize enough of this, I what I call is earn people and not money, everything else will just fall in the place. So I think, uh, and 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 that that's that's where you and in within the people, your first your family comes, then your friends comes, and then your colleagues comes. That's how I look at it. It's not being selfish. It's just optimizing, right? Optimization is not being selfish at all because you always have circles of prioritization around that. So don't take it like we are being selfish over there. Given given these three things, I think uh, we will land up pretty nice because the first one will force you to read books, do something curious, uh, all this stuff, and you will start, and that will drive the that will drive the second and third one as well, right? And that's what I think. That is a good framework to look at it. Wow, wow, wow. You know, so time, health and people. That is a beautiful way to end the episode. Ajay, thank you so, so much for your time. This has been such an honor and pleasure for me to be able to host you and have all those years of experience bundled into insights in a one hour episode is an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for spending your time. I'm sure this is going to be very helpful and is giving us a lot of insights to think beyond and consider. Thank you so, so much. Thanks a lot for hosting me. Hopefully, Hopefully uh, this will be good and uh, I really wish you more success, get more people to speak to you and spread more. I'm looking forward for more episodes from you. Take care, man. Thank you so Have much. Have fun. Whoa, that was phenomenal. I learned so much from that episode. Here are a couple of great insights as a part of the recap. One, quoting Ajay here, as he mentioned, understanding that we do not know much is much more important than knowing how much we know. 2. Looking at time as a currency is spectacular. This is a viewpoint so many of us could benefit from. 3. The priority structure for optimization in terms of time, health and people in that order again is a great framework for decision making. Four. It's great how Ajay mentions that asking for help is underrated and complicated. Sometimes just asking is all it takes. And of course, in turn, being ready to help matters immensely. 5. Optimizing for processes matters immensely and needs to be internalized to a great extent. 6. The three-step approach to scale. One. Checklists for everything and yes, these are not implementation lists. 2. Templatize everything, even for the new initiatives. 3. Root cause analysis are insanely important. 7. Curiosity, passion, empathy, energy, extremely important to look for within people. 8. It's amazing how Ajay mentions that there are no mistakes because we barely know the context to why someone took a decision and how. Finally, Ajay mentions that 90% of everything is about the people, thus the episode theme. This of course is a great thought, but what stands out is some of the questions Ajay raises, especially at the end. 
when looking at people and perhaps ourselves too we should ponder about what drives us what are we grateful for what are our principles what makes us who we are that was it from the 30th episode of the indian silicon valley podcast it's all about people with ajay gore of sikoa capital india i absolutely loved the insights by ajay and took back a lot from the episode i hope you did too thanks a ton for tuning in feel free to drop in feedback via the links in the description or join the community of 1000 amazing folks on whatsapp to receive updates directly on your inbox managed exclusively by me i will see you next week for another episode till then i hope you recall if you never try you'll never know stay tuned and keep building